0: Welcome to Firm Foundation Ministries Podcast. We hope it encourages you and inspires you to live out the purpose God has for your life. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. The Tide. Listen, turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to Malachi. If you're Italian, you can say Malachi. Verse 6. Now, if you want, you can go to the church app. You can follow right along with my notes if you want. I can't promise I'll do it word for word. But I got about uh, 38 minutes. How, why, do I, why do I hear the song from Smokey and the Bandit? We got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Verse 6, for I, the Lord, do not change. How many of you are thankful for that? Come on, I say, how many of you are just thankful for that? For I, yeah, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, everybody say me. Oh, children of Jacob are not consumed. God says, because I don't change, you are still alive. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Listen to what God says. Return to me. And I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? See... The emphasis in this scripture, why you don't like it, why we don't like to preach sermons from it, is because the emphasis has been on we've robbed God and we've tried to condemn and guilt people into giving. Pastor Don doesn't do that. That's why I hate preaching on this subject. But I do you a disjustice biblically by not sharing biblically on the idea and the thought process. But listen to what really is expressed here. God says, return to me and I'll return to you. And, the, and, and then the question is, well, God, how... Do, How do we return to you? Then comes, well, will a man rob God, yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And God says, in your tithes and contributions. Return to me. How shall we return to you? In your tithes. Come on, someone. You're cursed with a curse, for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full. Everybody say full. That is Full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test. Only place in the scripture from Genesis to Revelation where God says, test me. Try me. Prove me wrong. God doesn't say try to prove me wrong about healing. Deliverance. He says, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Try me. And prove me wrong. Watch this. I got, I got news for you. A lot of folk have tried and haven't done it. Come on, somebody. He says, test me. See if I'll not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing on you until there is no more need. I love the way the ESV puts that. Till there's no more need. Can you imagine living in a world where there isn't Need? But God says, test me. And he says, I'll rebuke the devourer for you. So that you will not be destroyed. The fruits of your soul, your vine, your field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord. Then all the nations, all the nations, all the nations will call you blessed. For you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Let's pray for it. Father, thank you for the reading of the word. Help us hear it in our ears. Receive it in our heart. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... All right, buckle your seatbelts because i got to roll. Let me begin by making three statements about tithing. Tithe means a tenth. That's the way it's translated. In Genesis 28, 22, And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. It's called Bethel. And all that you give me. I will surely give a tenth. Now let me set that scripture up for you real quick in my first little quick point here. Jacob has a dream. You understand this dream, right? It's a dream. We call it Jacob's ladder where he he took a stone and pulled it over to himself and used it as a pillow and took a nap. And in that nap, God gave him a dream where he saw a ladder extended from earth to heaven and angels were coming up and down. And God said to him, Jacob, I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. In other words, God said hey I've got a vision I've got a vision to touch the earth through you Jacob and what you see here is the fact that because I have a vision to use you to touch the earth you have access from earth to heaven of course Jacob takes that stone that he fell asleep he makes an altar of it and he changes the name of the place and calls it Bethel I don't have time to read your Bible for you Here's what I want to say to you. After this dream, he, see, here's in a moment in time, he had an encounter with God and it motivated him in such a way to fund the vision God gave him. It wasn't required. God didn't say, hey, I'm going to, if you'll give me a tenth, then I will use you i'll express you if you give me a tenth then i know god just said hey jacob i'm going to bless you your descendants are going to be as the dust of the earth read it it's in there and what we're going to do is i'm going to express myself to you and you know jay he wakes up from this dream this vision god had given him to use him for his glory and he says you know what i'm going to fund the vision." immediately, Jacob says, a tenth of everything that I have is yours. You ever heard a tithing message from Jacob's ladder? I guarantee you haven't. But it's in your Bible. God didn't say, give me 10% and I'll bless you. He said, I'm going to bless you. And Jacob's response to mission, Jacob's response to vision, was God gave me a dream. Let me tell this church, God has given us vision. God has given us vision to plant churches, to disciple, to equip, to go to the nations, right? God has given us vision. What is our response? Number two, the Lord claims the tithe as His. Leviticus 30. Now, I know that Leviticus is in the Old Covenant, but what Moses is doing here is he is adopting... A principle and applying it into the old covenant. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get there. Serious thinking about tithing right here. Did y'all just see that? Leviticus 27:30, and all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land, the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It's holy unto the Lord. Where would Moses get that idea from? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so he puts it in there, and he tells the people that it belongs to the Lord. Everything. Why? Because it's how we resource God's vision. Number three, obedience in tithing carries with it a promise. We just read it. God said, test me. Try me. Malachi 3.10. Now, let me say this, and i am put it up here. I want you to write it down, take a picture, put it up so you don't forget it. I don't believe that tithing buys God's blessing. I do believe and agree with the scripture that it opens a window and releases God to bless us. Now the concept is found throughout the scripture from the beginning. Adam and Eve. God says to Adam and Eve, everything here is yours. Except that. That's mine. You can touch everything. Except that. That's mine. The, the, the tree of knowledge and good and evil wasn't evil. It belonged to the Lord. That was His. From Genesis to Revelation, there is a principle throughout the Scripture of this concept. But Malachi is dealing with it. Come on, somebody. And so here he comes as God is charging the people with neglect. And so in this passage, what God is doing is he's calling his people to return to him. And they say, how do we do this? How do we return to you? And the Lord says something completely foreign to us, especially in the modern day church. How do we return to you? Oh, pray more. How do we return to you? Oh, go to church more often. How do we return to you? Read your Bible more. How do we return to you? Get involved and serve more. How do we return to you? Stop sinning. How do we return to you? Repent. God says something completely foreign. He doesn't tell them to pray more. He doesn't tell them to read their Bible more. He doesn't tell them to go to church more often. Instead, you know what he does? He starts talking to them about their money. See, maybe you don't read your Bible the way I do. It's his starting place. We want to have faith to go to the nations, but we don't have faith to trust God for a dime on every dollar that comes into our hands. We want to have faith to trust God to do miracles, to do healings and deliverance and to set people free and to cast out demons. And we don't have faith to trust God for a 10 cent. The Lord first consists of a changeless nature. And he says to them, because I don't change, you're still alive. And he contrasts his changelessness by comparing it to the unfaithfulness of their fathers. You've gone away. Though the Lord has created us and promised to sustain us, we all have to admit in this room today that it's difficult for some time for us to really trust God and give him his portion. I still cannot escape Genesis. God created man in his image and in his power. He created the male and female. Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every other living thing that moves on earth. And then he moves into something. He says, But I ask only one thing from you, that you honor the fact that certain portions of creation are mine and mine alone. That's what Adam was, God was saying to Adam about the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's mine. Do you, see, do you understand that when they fail, the, they, the, the fall of man happened, that the reason God put them out of the garden, the reason they could never return to the garden is because if they had eaten from that tree again in that state, they would forever remain in that state. And so God puts an angel with a flaming sword at the entrance to the Garden of Eden because God did not want them to remain in that state. Come on, somebody. And so God says, that's mine. That belongs to me. You cannot have that. And see, we usually think of the restriction as eat this and don't eat that. Don't eat the apple. Come on, somebody. Don't eat the apple. I don't know if it was an apple tree. I don't. I don't. Who, who cares? He says, but that belongs to me. But I think the issue is deeper than just eat and don't eat. I think the issue is a recognition of rights. It's not a fruit issue. It's not a fruit issue. God could have selected any tree in the garden that he desired. He just selected that one. That belonged to Him. And it involves us, mankind, understanding and accepting that a small portion of all that we have, everything that's within our reach, is reserved. It belongs to the Lord. God said everything is yours, but this is mine. And we're dealing with the same issue when it comes to tithing. God claims 10%. Hello, church. Can I say this to us? Tithing isn't a money issue. It's not. It's a trust issue. God promised you it wouldn't be a money issue. And every year I have extended... Every year that I preach this sermon... Every year I have extended this challenge. You give me one year. One year of committing 10% of everything God puts into your hand... To His vision... And if you are not better off at the end of that year, then we can talk about whether I'm wrong or God is wrong. But see, in the 25 years I've been preaching tithing sermons, not one person has ever taken me up on the challenge. And if they had, they weren't able to come back at the end of that year and say, yeah, that was a terrible year and I'm worse off now. As a matter of fact, most people come to me and say, I cannot believe what God has done. I'm challenging the church. We know the events at the beginning of the Bible. Satan comes tempting man and woman and saying, in effect, God knows that if you ever get a hold of his portion, you'll be much better off than you are now. That's what Satan was saying to Adam and Eve. So how easily we are persuaded by the idea that if we can just have what God says is his, we'll be better off. And Satan succeeded. He said, you'll be like God and man fell for it. The tragedy is that all of God's likeness that they needed was already theirs. They're already created in God's image. What else did they need? They didn't need God's power. Come on, somebody. Only the blessing of His person. They they didn't need God's uh, God's position, only the promise of His provision to sustain everything that they ever needed. But in Adam and Eve's pursuit of acquiring what was God's, they took God's portion. And not only did they lose what they thought they would gain, they lost what they already had. Tithing is not a money issue. It's not. It's not a money issue. And I believe that to see the divine claim... On 10% of our income and to surrender it in worship. That's why the Bible says, Let a man give, not grudgingly. To surrender it faithfully and to find that part is to say, I am now taking my place and responsibility in the vision that God has given us. Come on, somebody. It's the starting place. Of life's essential beginnings. And God's got a pattern and a blueprint. And if you don't believe it, you just need to read the Bible a little bit more. And we understand what that means. The clothes you're wearing today, if there was a pattern and a blueprint for them to be sewn together, and it wouldn't fit properly if the tailor didn't follow the, the pattern. Like we would go to Guatemala, and you would go to the, you can go have a suit handmade in Guatemala. Come on, somebody. And you go to the tailor and he measures you and he creates a pattern and then he tailor sews and stitches this suit. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I've always wanted one, never had the time. Never had the time. Kevin Lawrence has has one and and a handmade, tailor-made look, he he makes that thing look good. This building that we sit in, it wouldn't be safe if the builders didn't follow the blueprint. Come on, somebody. I can remember laying the foundations of this church. Do you know the foundations of this church are over six feet deep? You know how I know that? Because I was in the ditch digging it. I was like, "Why do we have to go so deep?" And Phil Stuckey said, "Because we've got to raise it up high. And the higher we want to raise it, the deeper we got to go." And I'm like, "Maybe we can cut some off the top." But you don't see the foundations of this building, but they're there because somebody followed the blueprint. And I'm grateful. It's the same thing with vision. It's the same thing with vision. And we are in this idea of renewing our vision. And, and I want you to understand, church, if we are going to continue to walk in the vision that God has promised us, we've got to start right. we got to start right. His commandments, His precepts, His thoughts, they're all His blueprints, His designs provided to build vision and to stand strong and tall. And so the pattern that God gives Adam... It included direction for all of us to relate any portion that God says is His. Rob God? How? Your fathers, remember what Malachi said? That helps me see how early the issue of man taking God's portion became a problem. Your fathers, not just my issue. It's been every man's issue. It's been every person's issue. And so the prophet asks a strange question, a strange question. Will a man rob God? Now, I think it's important to say the obvious, even though I shouldn't have to say the obvious. But I think it's important to say it. I think it's important for you to hear it. God does not have a cash flow problem. He just doesn't. Do you think in the beginning, when there was nothing, God sat down and said, "Do I got enough cash flow to do all this?" That's not what God did, and I guarantee you, God never thought about that when He gave this church its vision. Do they are they going to have a cash flow issue? Come on, church. So how is it that the prophet says the people's not tithing had robbed God? Well, the answer's in the text. And I love that we have David Campbell and some great Bible teachers around us that says, look, the the Bible will, it will interpret itself. And, And if you think that the Bible has a misinterpretation or a contradiction, the contradiction's in your interpretation, not the Scripture. The Scripture's never in conflict with itself. The answer to that question is in the text. Watch what he says here. God God had been robbed, not of money, but of his opportunity to bless his people. He he had been robbed of an opportunity to bless others through his people. Remember what he told Jacob? I'm going to make you and your relatives as the dust of the earth. Through you, we are going to impact the whole earth. And God has promised us that. God has promised us Discipleship. He has promised us church planting. He has promised us nations. And we have pushed our way through it. We have, we have pushed through it and pushed through it. And, and, and we have wrestled with how do we take the resources that we have and do it. And, and I promise you next week you're going to hear a little bit about how much I appreciate when we put a team together and challenge them. How they may have to look at some things and go, All right. The vision doesn't change how we accomplish it. But see, let me just tell you something. I promise you, in a few weeks, you're going to do the dessert auction. If you've never been here during a dessert auction, I'll just apologize now. It's so much fun. And like I said, that cake might not be worth $300, but those kids are. And last year, last year, $30,000 came in at our dessert auction. Come on, somebody. That means you believe, I want you to believe in these kids. I want you to believe in these kids because they are here. They're leading us in worship. They're com- Do you know I have kids in Bible college? Do you know there are kids in this church who are going to graduate with an associate's degree from our Bible college before they graduate from high school with a high school diploma? They're going to walk across. The- Come on, somebody. And you should thank them. You should really, because not only are they doing their work at school, they're doing their work in the Bible college. Little Cammie is on the mission field in Egypt right now. You better believe, I don't know how she's doing it. I, she's so busy. She's working and all those things. She's on the other side of the planet. Every Wednesday, I get an email with her homework. Every Wednesday. And she has to do more homework than the most because she's missing class. And when you miss class, you've got to write essays. You see, there's a young lady who said, I'm following God. And she, you know why she could do that? Because this church created an atmosphere. I, I, I want you to grab a hold of some things. The, the prophet is really pushing an issue here, a, a situation. He, he's pushing us to a point to understand that God's heart, God's desire is to bless, is to bless, is to Bless. And he says, if you return to me, I'll open up a window from heaven, pour out a blessing, pour out a blessing, pour out a blessing where there'll be no more need. I promise you that if every family in this church committed to a dime on every dollar that came in their hand, I would refuse to ever do another fundraiser. You know why? We wouldn't need to. Because there wouldn't be a need. Come on, church. I'm just talking about a dime on a dollar. The windows of heaven, come on church, they aren't a bank. They're an opening from which the life of the kingdom flows. And Malachi says, bring the whole tithe in. Bring it all into the storehouse so there may be food in my house. Test me and see, the, see if the Lord, if, if I am not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing, there won't be enough room for it. Listen, when the windows of heaven are open in your home, there's joy and there's happiness. I better, you better hold on to it. When the windows of heaven are open in your home, listen, in your business, there's fruitfulness and prosperity. When the windows of heaven are open on your mind, there is peace and confidence. Yeah. Paige came up during worship and she said, I just need everybody to know that I, I, when I first started coming, I was on, I was on meds for depression and, and, and I was taking all these things. And she said, God has been so good to me and God's been doing so much work in my life and, and everything that God has do. I'm no longer on those meds and God has renewed my mind. Yeah. That's vision. The windows of heaven are, are, when they're open over your life, your body. Listen, there's health and there's contentment in your life. The windows of heaven describe a resource or a source from which God's blessings flow. Can I say this to us real quick? God's appeal for tithe, it's not some appeal from some hard-pressed deity who's suffering from cash flow issues. It's a request that we not deprive him of the ability to bless in very real ways. It's, it's a request that we not deprive him of us being able to bless others. I love the fact that, you know, every year this time when we start doing men's retreat, we start doing a women's retreat, all these things. You know, there, there are a few men in here that God has blessed and they realize it and they want to give even above and beyond their tithe. And, and some of them come to me and say, hey, Pastor Don, I know, I know there are guys who maybe want to come but can't pay. Let me know. I'll take care of it. Now, I believe every man needs to have some skin in the game. Come on. But I appreciate that's called resource. Tithing aligns us under the place where the blessing of God is released. It's called heaven's window. But the decision to tithe, it's ours. Hello, church. Just like giving your heart and life to the Lord is yours. But you, you, you can just stop there. You can just get saved and stop there and just go to heaven. Sure you can. Absolutely. Or. Everybody say or. or. <laughs> the theme of this last few weeks has been I want more. Yeah. I want more. I want more. I want more. And God's not afraid of that. You can give your heart and life to the Lord and you can move ahead because you want more into discipleship, into into growing in the Lord. And the wisest among us choose that path of walking with the Lord in our daily lives and our daily matters. And we want every aspect of our life to be influenced and touched and under the blessing of God. You see, when I let go, when I give, when I release, I make room for life. Come on, church. Let me just say this, if I hesitate to tithe because I'm worried about how I'm going to make it, then I violate, I violate the Lord's first principle, which is trust. Giving into deception lures me into putting myself in God's place, even in my own life. And I've often said, Lord, if you can't take care of it, neither can I. God, if you can't resource it, neither can I. But see, I never want to be in the place where I said I'm better able to take care of my life and make things work than God is. Come on, church. Now, I know in the house, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to take a sledgehammer and wreck it right now. Because, see, in God's house, His people should think theologically. There's a question in the house. It's even in the house right now. Tithing is the Old Testament. You want me to give you an answer? Yes. Yes, it's in the Old Testament. You want me to give you another answer you're not ready for? It's also in the New Testament. I don't have to tithe because that's part of the Old Testament. Jesus came and fulfilled the Old Testament. You see, this idea that tithing is a part of the law... ...therefore means that New, New Testament believers are exempt from it. Well, let me just tell you something. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... ...they lived in the Old Testament... ...but they were not part of the Old Covenant. They lived under the Abrahamic Covenant, which was unconditional. God said to Abraham, I will. Doesn't require you. The Mosaic Covenant... God says, you will, then I will. Come on. Moses takes the idea of an unconditional covenant and puts it into how we should live. That's what the book of Leviticus is. It's about how we live for God. It's not about regulations or rules. It's about how we live different for God. And he puts it inside there because he needs to fund the Levitical priest. And he takes the idea of what the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had done in funding the kingdom on earth. And he puts it in to Leviticus to share with us how we should live, how we should fund vision, how we do this. While Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, yes, did live in the Old Testament, and they did tithe, they were not part of the Old Covenant. And so if you want to tell me that tithing is a part of the law, you have not been seated in good theology. Because Abraham initiated it to Melchizedek, who we know was a physical incarnation of Jesus Christ himself. He was a priest who had no beginning and no end. David Campbell has a much better teaching on that. And if you want to argue with me a little bit more, I'll say Jesus himself. Jesus himself addressed the issue of tithing in two of the New Testament books. Matthew and Luke. And so Jesus is dealing with the Pharisees who were looking for every way to attend to the letter of the law without attending to spiritual matters. And in Matthew 23, 23, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you tithe, mint, dill, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Jesus says to them, Woe, woe, you hypocrites! Woe, woe, you hypocrites! You tithe mint. They were measuring out mint. The smallest of spices until they got to a tenth of it. And cumin, they were, but they were neglecting justice and mercy and faithfulness. And so Jesus says to them, these, what are these? Tithe. You ought to have done without neglecting the others. What is the others? Justice, mercy, And faithfulness. It's called rightly dividing the word of God. It's called hermeneutics. Help me out, Bible student. Come on. These, the tithe, you ought to have been doing. It's right there. If tithing was unimportant to Jesus, if it was meaningless to the vision he was bringing, then what he would have said is take care of justice, mercy, and quit bothering with measuring out your tithe. That's not what he said. He said, you ought to be doing that. That's the least of the things you should do. I I just, I love it. Oh, but Paul says that a man ought to give without grudge. Paul is talking about a free will offering that's above the tithe. You realize you can't give an offering until you give a tithe. If you're not tithing and you try to give an offering, you're still in the hole. He wasn't addressing the tithe. Paul was trying to fund a missionary journey through offerings. Again, you got to be seated in good theology. I love that Jesus uses the word ought. Because it it, it draws me to His divine will. It draws me to certain things should not be violated. This ought. Jesus said this is a practice that's happened from the beginning. This is a precept of God that ought not be violated. And by affirming Jesus Himself, the tithe, he 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 is encouraging us to a timeless practice that is as important to the New Testament believer as it was the Old Testament. And so, Abraham, we find the scripture says of him, he, he gave him, Melchizedek, a, a tithe of all. as Genesis 14 20. And, and he's a man who learned the pathway of promise through funding vision. And so, I say to you that tithing was established before the law was ever written. 450 years Abraham lived before the law. The, the tithing has nothing to do with the law, nothing. As far as weight goes, it it precedes, it transcends the Mosaic code. It's a principle built into how God's kingdom gets established and how humans ought to order their lives. And so God promises to rebuke the devourer. And so to cap off this grand truth of the tithe, God makes an incredible promise as he promises he, he, as we respond in worship to him through faith and exercising of tithes and offering, he says, "I will rebuke the devourer." It's another evidence that money is a spiritual thing. Come on church. It reveals that when we obey in the material realm, it affects the spiritual realm. Who's the devourer? Jesus said. A thief does not come but to steal, kill, and destroy. And I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. First Peter 5 8. Be sober, vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. See, the thief comes to advance with viciousness in the terms of our finances. This is not a prosperity church. That might offend some people. I, I, don't, I don't believe in that message. I don't believe it's in the scripture. But I do believe that God has promised that his people will prosper. Yeah. But it's probably not in the form of buying jets. Right. I just seen a famous preacher who's, been, who's a prosperity preacher and has been preaching prosperity for years. And he's buying jets, traveling all over. His ministry is based in Georgia. And he just got up and said, I repent for teaching on tithing in that way, burn all my books. Is wrong. Now I go back to a story in the New Testament when Zacchaeus realized that he had wronged some people, and he said, "If I've wronged some people, not only will I give them back what I took from them, but I'm going to give them some more." You see, the problem I have with this prosperity preacher is his message still is prosperity. He's working to try and raise more funds through victimhood. He ain't sold his jet yet, and he ain't gonna, and he ain't gonna get back all that money. If he truly was sorry for teaching the principle of giving, he would do what Zacchaeus is doing. But he ain't done that. Right. But see, we go, oh, see, there it is. There it is. You're letting these famous people deceive you right. yeah. while they don't walk out what they preach. Right. I got no room for them. I got, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I get mad. I get angry. I fuss at bill, bill collectors. Sorry, Ann. Sorry, Holly. As we learn the liberty of full, free, let-go obedience to the Lord in this area, I promise you, church, there are some things that God is going to come, and you've been been dealing with a a devourer. You've been dealing with something consuming your life, and God is going to begin to rebuke that. God is going to begin to move in His ways. But see, tithing, it, it shares the promise that we face in a trial, right? And that's why you can't just do it once. You can't just do it when it's gotta be a lifestyle. Yeah. Cursed. The devourer seeks to curse, to swallow up, to destroy. And whether we like it or not, choosing to tithe is to choose to step, or not to tithe, is to choose to step out from under, under God's umbrella of blessing. Right. The Lord calls us to prove him. He gives us an opportunity. And he says, I'll open up a window of heaven and I'll rebuke the devourer. It's the first promise of abundance, not prosperity. Then there's a big difference. You see, when my life is lived in abundance, that means I am the overflow point for God. When this church's life is lived in abundance, that means we are the overflow point for God. Listen to me, church. Is that what you want to be? You see, I don't know about you, but I love being part of something that has purpose and vision. I love being a part of something that helps me understand what my life is giving direction to. It, it means that I find value because, see, you, you try to find it in this world, you're just going to wind up in the toilet. Going around in circles until you sink. Can I say to us personally, come on worship team, about the money money and miraculous? When I voluntarily give ten percent of my budget into the kingdom and into God's vision, I'm saying that I can see His ability to create something through me and understand that He will make my budget work. Can I get personal with you? Oh, you thought I'd gotten personal? I, I know. I feel it in the house, right? Everybody's like. Oh. you bring your tithes to this church you're doing something more than helping this church meet its budget and you all just approved one a big one (laughs) if you think that don't keep me up at night but let me say this to you personally think about the people in this church whose lives would be different If it weren't for tithers making this place possible. Paige. Come on. How many marriages in the house? How many young people, when they could be lost to the world, are here on the front row every Sunday morning worshiping? How much deliverance has happened in the house, the recovery group that happens on Wednesday night? You know how that happens? Because, come on somebody. How about deliverance? Come on. Justin and Christine, there they are. right? Prison, drug addicts, lost, come on, in and out, in and out, here they are, look at them. Bible college, straight-A student, Justin, in Bible college. Christine, Christine, helping lead the recovery group. Come on. I could go on and on and on, but see, it's already 12.04. Y'all want to go watch some football game. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't come on until 4.30 or something. Right? We want to celebrate everything that's happening inside of us. But I promise you, none of that is even possible. This morning, we're, you know, before the children leave, we're having to ask you to, come on, scoot in, scoot in. Next week, we're going to hear some details about details. Come on, somebody. Pray for us as an eldership team. (laughs) We got a lot to do. You know what the lot to do is? It's about making room right now. And every wrestling we have right now is over the goodness of God. It's, it's over the goodness of God. And that's all because tithers have said, hey, I am like Jacob. God has given me a vision. And my first response is to say, oh man, how do I fund it? How do I fund it? God designed this church to be a manifestation of his kingdom on earth. And Christ is the head of this church. When you bring your tithes to the church, you're not merely giving it to pastors or, or elders or a board or a denomination. You are providing a place where vision brings life. God says to Jacob, I I'm going to influence planet Earth through you. And God says to FFM, I believe it. You call me crazy. You can write it on my tombstone when you put me in the ground. Because I ain't changing. I believe God will change planet Earth through Firm Foundation Ministries. I believe that. If you don't think I believe that, you just ask my wife. Who says I'm like an old dog. It just comes home when I'm tired and hungry. And I get upset and fight for things that are us. I'll charge it to my heart, charge it to my stupid head. I'm gonna fight for us. I'm gonna fight for everything that I believe God wants to give us. But I'm telling you, church, it would not be a major fight if everyone in this room believed they could trust God with a dime. Everyone who tells us we're wrong, let's prove God, not them. Let's prove God, not them. Think about where this church is and where it's going. Through you, God will influence the earth. I believe it. He already is. There's a young lady in Egypt right now. There's a young lady in Guatemala right now. The Lawrence has spent uh, years in Guatemala, right? We have sent all over like we're thinking about Kenya. Do you understand? In April, I'm going to go to Kenya. I'm going to go to Tanzania and Ethiopia for a two-week trip to spy out the land. I'm going to spy it out. The elders told me the other night, go. I'm like, Really? Because I told God I would never go back to Africa. I spent two weeks. I spent, listen, I spent four, no, was it three weeks? I, I think I, I, spent, I spent a lot of time in, in Ni- Lagos, Nigeria. And, and it, whether it was 14 days or 21, I can't remember. It was either 13 days or 20 too long. And I said, God, I'm never coming back to this place. Never coming back to Africa. I said to God, you're going to have to speak audibly for me to go back to Africa. And then last year we got a phone call. (laughs) Careful what deals you're making with God. And this church is going to go. We're going to take small teams at a time. We're going to establish Bible colleges. We're going to establish churches. We're going to establish a farming community on thousands of acres that set like a desert right now. And we're going to change the world. What a wonderful act of worship. A dime. A dime. I think it's a divinely appointed way to accomplish what the Lord Jesus has given us to do. It's a beautiful ordinance, and I apologize to you for not preaching on it more. Will you stand with me? Now, let me end this message, and we're going to sing a quick song. We won't be very long, but let me end this message with an expression of our elders' heart, this whole team. We could not be more blessed at your faithfulness in this area. And this sermon is in no way a complaint. Hello, somebody. It is something we're committed as an eldership team to doing every year. And when we renew our vision to the Lord to let us understand and know how we accomplish it. You have been a privilege to lead. An honor to wrestle over. And your faithfulness, look around. Your faithfulness, look around. Your faithfulness, look what it has done. And I promise you, you are not yet prepared to see what it will do. You know the reason that I can say in in 12 or 15 years, I'm looking forward to sitting in the back of the room? Because your faithfulness has provided a way for young people. To step up and say, yeah, it's not only Jacob's vision, but it's our vision. Come on, church. Father, we receive this word today. And Lord, this word is no way a condemnation or a criticism on the fact that your good hand has not been upon us. This word is an affirmation of how much more you want to be good to us and so Lord we receive it I pray that it sets like a seed in everyone's heart and that the challenge of the tithe is not something built out of condemnation but something built out of a motivation to say I have a part to play maybe I'm not the preacher maybe I'm not the prophet maybe I'm not the evangelist maybe I'm not the builder maybe I'm the funder and my dime is enough So Jesus, I pray for a blessing as the window of heaven over this place begins to open. Lord, we covet to you to be stewards in such a way to make your testimony true that there's not a need. Hallelujah. He has done great things. Come on, hasn't he? Hasn't he?